Hello! Welcome to the Mid-Atlantic Pod. I am your host, Will. This is episode one, the very first one. I'm so excited to get going. The pod's basically going to be focused on uh, five different things, um, but that's not exclusive. I you know, might uh, roam around different things as and when. But basically, it's going to be talking about sports, music, fashion, technology, and entertainment in just in general in both the US and the UK. And, you know, reason why is because is I'm from the UK, but I also lived in America for a long time. And so, yeah, I fall somewhere in the middle, hence the name Mid-Atlantic. So anyways, here we go. Let's um, let's dive in. So the first thing that I want to talk about is the Premier League and it's back and I couldn't be happier. So the Premier League has been back for about four weeks with four games in. This uh, this weekend was uh, game week four. So today's uh, Sunday, the 1st of September. So four games in. It's great to have football back. Me personally, I'm a Chelsea fan, so I could be happier in that sense. But overall, it's just nice to have football back. Uh, weren't any big uh, international tournaments this uh, summer, obviously, for European um, you know, international teams. I know there were ones over in uh, the Americas, but... You know, we felt a bit dry for football uh, this summer, especially you know compared to last year when we had uh, had the World Cup. But anyway, yeah, Chelsea has struggled. Uh, it's been tough, uh, mostly uh, defensively. We've struggled. Um, it's sad to see Aspilicueta at right back um, struggling so hard. Both of his goals this weekend against Sheffield United were arguably his fault. Um, and it's been tough because he's been, uh, you know, he's the captain. He's been one of the longest serving guys on the team. So it's been tough to see him go through that. And always such a defensive stalwart, like, you know, historically. But everybody ages. I guess it happens. Um, and I think everybody's surrounded with Chelsea is looking forward to young uh, Reese James maybe getting his chance uh, fairly soon. But Tammy looks different and decent. Our, our striker, Tammy Abraham, he looks all right. Um, we'll see how that goes. Um, Liverpool, on the other hand, red hot. Four games, four wins, 12, go- 12 goals. Uh, out of the gate, I think they look locked in. I think um, it's going to go down to the wire between them and City this year. It's going to be a long season. Obviously, we're only four games in, another 34 to go. But every time, every you know, every weekend that goes where Liverpool win, and either, you know, at this point, they're two, two points ahead of City because they drew Tottenham. But every week, it's going to be, oh, I wish the league ended now, I wish the league ended now. But that's the whole point in the Premier League. It's obviously a, a nine-month competition. And um, yeah, we'll see how long Liverpool can keep up the pace, basically. Um, and yeah, you gotta you got to pull one out for our guy Coutinho. Uh, he uh, didn't basically, didn't didn't make the grade at Barcelona, which is tough. That's a tough look for him, honestly, to be shipped out on loan to to, Bas- uh, to Bayern Munich, excuse me. He got the uh, James Rodriguez treatment. Poor guy. Um, but, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll work out for him. Um Bayern obviously needed some wingers with the uh, robbery and and um, I just say robbery, <laughs> Robin and and Rubery um, <laughs> uh, heading out. So yeah, that'll be good for them. Um, Pookie, he's nice. Uh, Norwich striker. He's got five goals in his first three games, so he's looking pretty good. Obviously, um, you know, of course, of those five, three of them came against Newcastle, but still, a goal's a goal, right? Five goals in his first league game for a new coming team in the Premier League is always exciting. Um, so I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the season goes for him, whether or not he keeps up to pace with this, or whether the goals sort of you know dry up as, as Norwich you know maybe might struggle in the Premier League. We'll see. I think um, a fun over under for him would be sixteen and a half goals for the season, and that, that might seem really high, but if you think about the fact that he's already got five, and if you're saying under. 16 and a half so if he gets a 16 he, he he only needs another 10 or 11 goals right i think that's a good chance he gets over 17 uh, or over 16 and a half so he gets 17 plus um i don't know let me know let me know what you think so along with this podcast i've also started a um a twitter handle where people can you know talk to me and, and let me know what, you know their thoughts and stuff so uh if you go to twitter and type in at the mid-atlantic one annoyingly someone had the mid-atlantic um and they also Mid Atlantic 2019, I think, was taken, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe I just didn't like that. But anyways, we're Mid Atlantic one, so check that out uh, on Twitter. Let me know what you think about Pookie. Um, let me let me know if you think he'll get over uh, 16 and a half goals or under 16 and a half goals. Um, in terms of the Premier League, I think there have been five players who've sort of shone. Um, 
outside of, of Pookie. I was going to put him in my list, but I've got someone else fun at number five. So I'll just go down in, in ascending order. So, uh, or descending order, I don't really know how that, <laughs> which way around that goes. Anyway, so yeah, um, top five players in the league so far, in my opinion. Uh, Aguero, number one. I think he's just been on fire. He started the season well. Um, Jesus started for City in their first game, I know. But so far, four games, six goals. You just can't stop this guy from scoring. Uh, absolutely not. Um, number two, Raheem Sterling. I was tempted to put him at number one because I think he's actually played really, really well. Um, but statistically, not as well as Aguero. He's got one less goal. I think it's probably like a 1A, 1B type thing. But, you know, I'll put, I'll put, Aguero, I'll put Aguero at number one and, and Sterling number two because he's got four um, f- four games under his belt and only five goals rather than the six. Number three, another City player. Um, one of Chelsea's biggest headaches and probably biggest regrets, Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, who we let go in 2015 or 2016 when um, Jose was a manager and um, has probably become the best midfielder in the Premier League, I would say. Um, four games, five assists, one goal, hand in six goals. Just can't stop this guy from from assisting. Absolutely not. Like Unbelievable, different class. He was, he was coming off a, a big injury at the beginning of last season. And I think that kind of stuck with him throughout the season. And he wasn't quite the player we'd seen him in the year before. And I think now he's fully fit, looking really, really sharp. And I think he could have an outstanding season. I think he's a, he and Sterling are probably my two early candidates for player of the year, like very early candidates for player of the year. But I just think the way Kevin De Bruyne is trending, I think he could go on to have an absolutely smashing season. So number four, new Arsenal boy, finally not a City player, uh, Nicolas Pepe. And I've just thrown him in there because he was the first pass to, per, person to dribble past Virgil van Dijk in van Dijk's last 50 Premier League appearances, which is actually amazing if you think about it. So shout out to Pepe. He looks good. I'm sad because Chelsea were after him for a long time. And then obviously we had this transfer ban and I'm going to get to that in a second. But Chelsea had this transfer ban this summer where we couldn't sign anyone. So, you know, Pepe look, looks good for Arsenal. I think it'll probably take him a while to adapt to the Premier League. Um, people coming over from League One, it often takes them a while. I think Hazard was probably the only person who came came over from League One in the last sort of decade or so who really took to it well. And even by his standards, didn't have the best season when he was in his first you know season for Chelsea. So early signs good from Pepe. Um, and, you know, we'll see what the rest of the season brings. And number five, um, slightly surprising choice. I've gone for uh, Alexis Sanchez. And he... <laughs> He gets my fifth pick because he managed to get Manchester United to agree to pay him £300,000 a week not to play for them. Let that just sink in for a second. Manchester United are currently playing, paying somebody £300,000 a week to play football for somebody else in a different country. Wow. Unreal. Unreal from Alexis. Maybe he should even be number one, honestly. Tough look for United, honestly. But they looked they looked all right this 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 weekend. Uh, Daniel James with another goal. He's looked he's looked pretty good. But anyways, getting back to this transfer ban, uh, I want to touch on this quickly because from a Chelsea perspective, I think it doesn't make a lot of sense. So, bit of background: Chelsea have been banned from signing players for this transfer window and the following one. So we weren't allowed to sign players this summer, and we're not allowed to sign players in January. And the reason being was that Chelsea were found guilty of breaching a FIFA rule, which is something related to signing players under the age of 18. Now, there are specific rules where you are, as a football club, you are allowed to sign players who are under the age of 18. It's related to, I think there's three qualifications. I can't off the top of my head remember what all of them are, but I know that one of them is whether they live within 50 miles of the club. The other one is whether their parents move to within 50 miles of the club for non-footballing reasons. And I can't remember what the third one is, but there's, there's there are some sort of grounds to which you know football clubs are allowed to sign players under the age of 18 and supposedly Chelsea Chelsea broke this on 57 or something like that accounts and then they were investigated and found guilty of 29 and of course you know Chelsea pushed back on this and they said uh you know we're not having this it's not true we need to fight this and currently are in the process of appealing the ban with the uh court of sports arbitration I believe uh, is what it's called um but but the, the the ban wasn't repealed whilst they're having it uh, you know go through the judicial process. However, Manchester City, on the other hand, were found guilty of the exact same thing and were a fined less money and b not given a transfer ban. Why you may ask? Oh, simply because they admitted to doing it. 
So they basically came out and said, yeah, we did this. Hands up, our bad. And then basically the governing body just decided to give them a slap on the wrist and not punish them, you know, quote unquote, properly as they did with Chelsea, which I cannot believe because it's not like Manchester City like need another advantage. They won the Premier League last season with 98 points and they scored 100 points the year prior. So they have 198 points in the last two seasons and FIFA's going to go and say, oh, don't worry about it. Like, at least you admitted you knew what you're doing. Uh, like, that's like punishing, a, it's like not punishing a kid for doing something bad because they admitted that they did it. That doesn't really make any sense to me. But at this point, there's nothing Chelsea can do about it other than just try to grind through this season with Frank, um, our new manager, Frank Lampard, who's done quite well, um, you know, early doors for a squad that's just got rid of their best player in probably the last 10 years, you know, in terms of an attacking perspective, um, who's obviously followed his dream and, and, you know, gone to Real Madrid and we love and support Hazard for that, but has left us in a sticky situation. Uh, it's, it's tough for Chelsea at the moment. You know, we haven't had the opportunity to go in the market and, you know, sign a replacement. We might've gone, you know, been in for Coutinho. We might've been in for Pepe. It's highly 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 unfair to basically be spat on while we're, we're on the ground or kicked while you're down as they say like that's basically what it felt like but we're grinding through we'll get through to next summer hopefully you know the, the club will keep frank and um you know not dismiss him just because he's you know, had, a, had a rough go of it so far but we'll see all right moving on um so football's obviously a big passion of mine another big sports passion of mine is the nba i love basketball i absolutely can't wait for basketball to be back it's going to be back at end of october i think it's like october 20 something 22nd something like that uh i lived in boston when i lived in the u.s i'm a huge celtics fan so you will probably hear some biases on this podcast along the way um but in general i'm just a basketball fan like i love the celtics that's my team those are my guys um but just overall i love the game um it's so much fun to watch i'm i know someone who only really got into basketball sort of seven or eight years ago i'm i'm still you know to some degree learning everything about basketball but i think i have a pretty deep um you know knowledge and understanding of the game um i think it's more just like historical context of you know stuff that went on in the 80s and the 90s i'm probably less familiar with than i should be as a quote-unquote avid basketball fan but um but anyways you know nba is gonna be back soon it's 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 gonna be exciting team usa is currently playing um in the feeble feeble world cup you know why would you care about team usa i mean for me they're you know one of the only fun teams to watch team gb um doesn't actually have anyone playing in the nba as far as i'm aware no what's his name the guy who plays for toronto uh he's from england but i and he lived in america for a long time um so he might i don't know who he represents um i don't even know if we're even competing in the fever championships to be honest i probably should but listening and reading a lot about team usa because they have all of you know um the nba players in it that i follow most importantly, they have four Celtic players in their team, um, which is fantastic for us because they're, they're already playing together, sort of getting that chemistry together in place before the season starts. Kemba Walker, obviously, coming in to replace Kyrie, is going to present its own challenges because he's not Kyrie. He's not the same kind of player. So, you know, from on the court stuff, he's probably he probably is slightly slightly less good um, as as Kyrie, but that's only because Kyrie is phenomenal. Um, Kemba's also incredible, um, but from a chemistry standpoint, it's going to be like a like a breath of fresh air for the team and something they really need. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and just in general, I think I, one thing I do understand the historical context of is sort of the Team USA being a important focal point for young players who are coming through in the league. Um, and I guess historically that's been a couple, and then and, and this year there's a much heavier focus on on that with you know Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kyle Kuzma, uh, Donovan. I know that um, De'Aaron Fox was was in amongst the team before he pulled out of it, and you know, basically the whole team is centered around young guys other than Kemba. Um, so that's that's fun. I think it's good for the league just for the young guys to have opportunities. So that'll be really good. Um, but in terms of the NBA, I think the team that I'm most looking forward to watching who aren't the Boston Celtics is probably the Sacramento Kings. Um, they had a they had a good season last year relative for them. So let's rewind a year. So last summer, summer 2018, uh, the Kings took uh, Bagley, Marvin Bagley III, um, second overall in the 2018 draft. Um, he was a freshman out of Duke. He put up something like 21 points, 11 rebounds, one and a half assists, um, almost a block and a steal a game. 
uh, in, in 34 minutes, 33 game season. He was a consensus All-American selection, the winner of the Pete Newell Big Man Award, basically best post player of that collegiate year. He was also ACC Rookie of the Year, ACC Player of the Year, and selected on the All-ACC first team. So suffice to say, big things were expected of him. Um, and along with Bagley, the Kings had two other young guys on their team, uh, De'Aaron Fox, uh, who we know is obviously a speedy, freakishly athletic point guard. They took him fifth in 2017. Uh, and Harry Giles, who's a center, but probably slightly undersized, who they took in the 2016 draft a bit bit deeper, a bit later on here, they took him at 20th. Um, he was also from Duke as well. So both Fox and Giles had their rookie seasons in 2017-18, um, which was the year before last. And or the year before the one I'm now speaking of, um, basically because Giles uh, was injured in his in his rookie his true rookie seasons, he basically redshirted, and um, you know they both had pretty good rookie seasons, and then they added Bagley, and a lot of people looked at last season for the Kings as you know opportunity to step forward and be a good you know a good year for them. I don't think anybody was expecting them to make the playoffs, but to make progress have you know as one of those bright future bright future teams and they actually started the season really well in their first 51 games they went 26 and 25 so they had a winning record after 51 um basically before february and then basically faded towards the end of the season so they went 13 18 uh to finish the season and that was despite the fact that they actually did pick up harrison barnes at the trade deadline but they eventually missed the playoffs finishing ninth in the west uh which was i think seven yeah seven games behind the clippers who finished eighth so an interesting season for them. It was one of those the year before the years type years, if that, if that makes any sense. Um, progress was made. They didn't quite make the playoffs, um, but everybody's excited to watch them this year. And I, I you know, me, me, me in particular, I think this year it should be fun for them. Um, they have that energetic young core of Fox, Badley, Bagley, Giles, um, and they have other good young players like Bogdanovich. They've got Buddy Heald, and they've also got Kyle Guy, who is the NCAA champ and most outstanding player of the 2019 tournament. So I think the core of young guys is looking really good for the Kings. And on top of that, they've got some seasoned vets, both sort of old and less old guys. They've got Trevor Ariza, who's kind of older. And they've got Harrison Barnes, who's less old old so to speak he's less old than trevor Ariza, but he's older than these some of these the sort of 20 somethings young 20 somethings of you know likes of fox and whatnot so i think they're going to be critical in sort of guiding the young guys through what's going to be a difficult season in terms of opposing talent they've got the newly sort of supercharged lakers and clippers in their division along with steph curry and co and golden state so their division is by no means going to be easy a lot of really tough games coming up but this is not a season of expectation for the Kings, hence why it'll be fun. It'll be super entertaining to see them drain threes and sort of firing off all cylinders at lightning speed. But I, I don't think anybody's booking an open top bus tour, you know, for Sacramento in June of next year. The beauty of having these lower expectations is that the Kings can kind of focus on the positives that they go through this year without the pressure of trying to ring, you know, win a ring. Um, provided nobody really sustains a career-threatening injury or season-ending one, the Kings should make steady progress. Um, you know, they might push for an eighth seed, and that could be really, really fun. Uh, seeing them in the playoffs would be would be awesome. Take a look at that sort of like key players. Um, I mentioned him before. I mentioned most of these guys before. De'Aaron Fox. Um, he's slowly becoming sort of the cornerstone of the franchise, and the Kings' future that really like depends on them. Um, you know, he had a massive season or much improved season i should say last year he had basically 17 points four rebounds and or you know seven assists pretty decent um but i think the most important thing was he had a 49 or almost 50 percent effective field goal percentage which is really impressive and that's going to be critical going forward taking good quality shots and draining them i think he's going to have to lead the guys on the court and um, you know, figure out how to get better this year again. Harrison Barnes, um, his biggest job is going to be basically lock down the, the other team's best guy. Um, he's not necessarily a lockdown defender, but that is one of his strengths uh, as a three and D guy. He's six eight, and he needs to basically use both of both his his qualities in terms of being a good shooter and a good defender. Um, he had sixteen points last year, where he you know a season where he got traded, almost five rebounds and you know just over one assist uh, per game. Um, next, Buddy Heald. Uh, you know, he's a, a league pass darling, as they say. He's going to be super fun to watch again this year. He sort of epitomizes that shooter's going to shoot mentality. He's deadly from three-point range. Uh, career 42%, which is 
really impressive. And his sole purpose is just going to be get open, get buckets, and be a spark plug. He massively improved 2018-19 uh, from 2017-18. Um, he went from 13.5 points to 20.7. So massive, you know, massive improvement on the in the offensive end. And it would just be important that he, you know, becomes a better defender and just keeps on cooking, basically. <laughs> And then uh, I've already talked about Bagley, so I won't I won't go too much on him. Um, but he needs to improve defensively. Um, he he is a threat, but he needs to become a bigger threat and uh, you know become the defensive pillar on the on this team is 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 going to be the most important thing for him this year. He had almost 15 points a game last season, uh, seven and a half boards, and uh, uh, he averaged a block a game. And then Bogdanovich is probably the last person who's um, you know I'm going to talk about. He can be the X factor of this team. He's uh, likely to come off the bench for Heald, or he might start. I'm not sure. It, it kind of depends how Luke Walton wants to run the team as, as the new head coach. But he can provide uh, leadership and quality uh, for the second unit if, uh, if that's how Walton chooses to use him. So they should be really fun. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they end up, especially with their division being so tough, whether or not they can push for the playoffs. Hopefully they can. I'd love to see them in the playoffs. It'd be good for the young guys to get that experience, um, and, and it'll be super fun. All right. Uh, moving on, next uh, next topic I want to talk about is Batch and Batch in Paradise or BIP. <laughs> uh, that's been really fun this summer. I don't know if you've been checking it out. Uh, if you have, hit me up on Twitter. As I was saying earlier, the uh, the handle is at the Mid Atlantic One. Let me know uh, who you've enjoyed watching and and uh, and whatnot. But I think you know overall, as always, the Bachelor is dramatic and it's been it's been a bit of a whirlwind. But my my favorite thing or thing I want to talk about uh, has been the absurd amount of over and under reactions uh, on the show. I, I feel like with all the all the drinking, people just don't know how to react properly to what's going on around them. Um, so I've got three good overreactions that are, and and two good under ones that I wanna that I want to touch on. So number one overall reaction comes from Katie um <laughs> when uh when Will basically tried it on with her uh when he was like shit I'm gonna go home if I don't fucking get someone to give my rose give me a rose and she broke down she could not speak she couldn't say a single word and all he did was like vaguely imply that he wanted to like you know in batch speak get to know her better and she just couldn't handle it she i felt like she was losing her mind i felt i felt so bad for her but i also also could not kind of laugh because she seems really sweet she seems like a really a really nice girl and she didn't want to get she just didn't want to get involved in the drama that's what she was trying to say but i i thought that was i thought that was amazing uh second favorite overreaction um was jpj's quite literal um breakdown at the wedding so first of all how inappropriate like jpj i was rooting for you um but that was that was something else um there's always a time and a place for these these sorts of things and i get that you're filming a tv show but my goodness this is someone's wedding um to to so to cause such a scene over someone who you've known for four weeks who you think you're in love with I get, that, I get that he might have really strong feelings for her. Um, her being um, uh, Tasha, um, yeah, I'm, I get that he, I get that he might be in love with Tasha. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, a little hard to believe after, after so short. But I think with such an intense environment, it's difficult to understand the emotions. Like I can't compare. Like I can't say like, oh, you know, how can he fall in love with her after only four weeks when I haven't experienced what he experienced, which is literally being on a beach every single day and just like pounding drinks and all you're doing is spending time thinking about being in a relationship and trying to understand the the different dynamics of that of that group so i won't go that you know as far to say like how can you be in love with her when you know he very well might be but i think even still the overreaction to literally go up to um this other guy and uh, scream at him and say derek is his name scream at derek and be like oh my god like how could you do this? You treat women badly, and da, da 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 And and Derek might. I don't know Derek personally. He might, but I don't think that JPJ knows him personally either. He might have said a couple of things that, you know, weren't um weren't the best. But he also may have been lying or exaggerating. So JPJ, tough look, my guy. Tough, tough look at the wedding to to scream so much, and then. <laughs> Third, I probably should put this first. This one was hilarious. Um, a reaction. Uh, Kaylin crying her eyes out at somebody else's wedding because she was surrounded by love, and her her justification was this for this was that Dean broke up with her the, the night before 
to basically relieve her of him, if that makes any sense, to be like, I'm taking myself out of the situation. The team's trying to be a good guy, like, I'm out of here. Like, you're falling for me too hard. I got, I, I'm going to get out of here. I'm, I'm going to save you. Uh, you deserve a chance to, to be happy. And I get that she'd be upset about it, but to say that it, I think she said it was the worst day of her life. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I may have made that up, but she said something to the effect of like, this is horrible and this is so awful. When she could have just taken two seconds to look around and be like, oh shit, like this is actually pretty cool. I'm in Mexico with a bunch of people I like and I'm at a wedding that I got invited to and I don't have to pay for anything and this is fucking awesome. But instead, she was just thinking about herself and being super sad about being surrounded by love, which I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, even if you have to go to someone's wedding when someone breaks up with you. Actually, wait, hang on. No, wasn't it her birthday? Oh, wait, no. Maybe, ah, maybe there's some justification in that. <laughs> Dean, it was her birthday. Oh, man, wait, that was pretty bad from Dean to break up with someone on their birthday. Ah, even still, though, Kaylin should have just... I don't know, took it on, took it on the stiff upper lip, as we say in, in the UK and, and just got, got on with it just for the wedding and, and, uh, and maybe confided in a friend when she got home. But then this is the thing that sort of made it feel like an overreaction to me is, is that Connor came in, turned around the corner and suddenly everything's okay. Like, oh, Connor's here. Ooh, <laughs> like, hello. And, um, yeah, before the end of the night, she was, uh, making out with him and then he showed up to paradise the next day. So it turns out your life wasn't over and the world didn't end. And that's great. And I'm really happy for you, Caitlin. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was funny. I felt bad for her, but, um, you know, learning experience still young, um, as, uh, as, as they all are these days. And then, uh, yeah, underreactions from from Bachelor in Paradise were, were were fucking awesome too. So I think my uh, my first favorite one, and probably my only true one, is is the the Dylan Hannah G Blake thing. So I appreciate Dylan's calmness in this situation. Um, you know, he's trying to woo Hannah and he's trying to get her to like him. Um, but generally speaking, like that sentence, like get someone to like you, is not like one that I'm a big believer in. I think people generally just like each other or they don't. Um, and if she, every night that you're trying to like, you're trying to be with this girl and every night she's spending time with Blake and not just spending time with her, him and like cuddling on the sofa or whatever, but like dancing with him in front of you and kissing him in front of you. I think that, I, I think, I think the underreaction of the century, or maybe not the century, the underreaction of, uh, of the show is to just sort of sit there idly by with your hands in your pockets and be like, oh shit, like what can I do? Um, eventually he sort of pucked up and walked over and then created probably one of the most awkward moments in uh, in Paradise um, this summer when they were just sort of standing there and Hannah didn't really pick one. <laughs> he just kind of, he kind of shoveled off afterwards. It was, that was painful to watch. Because I like Dylan. I think Dylan's a nice guy and, um, and I'm glad it all worked out for him with dinner and with, uh, with Hannah G. But I thought that was, I thought that was a tough look to just sort of stand by whilst um, she was kind of uh, messing you around there for a while. Um, but I guess, yeah, I guess what could he do? Well, maybe he could have said said something quietly to her privately rather than causing the scene. I don't know. Who knows? But um, yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was entertaining. And then um, uh, last underreaction. This one is slightly different. This is just like underreaction to people like in general. Um, so the first one is Sydney. Um, Sydney's fucking cool. She's like super catch and all the boys are letting her go. Um, I think she's really funny and like very chill personality, like super cool. I'm really surprised that none of the guys wanted to take her out on a date and she has a fucking cool job. She's an NBA dancer. Like she could probably get you courtside ticks and like probably knows a ton of cool people through being an NBA dancer. Not like, I don't know if I'm using the correct terminology. I, I didn't want to say cheerleader because I think they're two different things, but I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure. So, um, if, uh, if I got that wrong, my, my apologies, but yeah, I don't know. I just think, um, she's shown, she's shown way more of herself on this season than when she was on, I think she was on Colton season. Um, and when I say show more, it's just like, we've actually got this like the edit, like we've got to see way more of her. And, and like, it turns out like, cause we didn't know her that well really after Colton season, I don't think, but like after the season, I think we get to know her a little bit better. We, we should see more of her truthfully. Um, uh, I also listened to her on a, on a podcast and she seemed fucking cool. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I hope, I think she's with big Mike at the moment and I hope that works out, but they don't, they don't seem like they're, clicking on all cylinders in the same way that you know some of the other couples do um so yeah let's get sydney sydney some more love please um do better paradise um 
produces. And then, <laughs> and then my last one in terms of underreactions uh, to people is uh, ABC Cam. Um, ABC Cam is trash, and uh, I was disappointed to see him in, in Paradise. That's probably a bit harsh. Um, but I, I, I'm not a big fan. Um, I think he's he's tough watch. Like it's actually I find it I find it difficult to watch him on the show, um, just because of the way he behaves and the way he like carries himself and like and not only like interacts with women but like also the other guys. Um, I think his attitude is just kind of odd too. But um, wow, that sounds really judgy. <laughs> um, but I guess that's why you watch reality too. I don't know. Um, but the underreaction in general was um, that fucking shirt he wore, that fucking leopard print goofy shirt was so disgusting. And like a few people said something about it, but they should have ripped it off of him and thrown it in the fire and just like torched. Oh God, not torched him on the fire, but like torched him for wearing it. Like in terms of like verbally, not like, <laughs> like on the fire, like they should have like ripped him a new one for having that shirt on. Like that was like so funny and such a terrible shirt and it like no one cared and it was disappointing i wish they i wish they'd reacted to that better um and uh overall i think the biggest thing we've got two weeks left i think of, of, of paradise the biggest thing we've seen or, or learned or rather not seen is my guy peter this is our guy the people's champ we love pete pilot pete is almost definitely going to be the bachelor um i think we're all excited for that i think it'll be a fun season um with him being uh with him being pilot pilot pete being a bachelor um get a lot of good you know uh gonna get a lot of aircraft gotta look at get a lot of good aircraft shots that'll be a lot of fun um so yeah we're looking forward to pete batch is coming back in the fall uh the autumn and uh, yeah that should be fun so yeah moving on uh we'll do a little tech maybe so it's september uh, so it's that time of the year for Apple to step up to the plate and we will see what they uh, what they come up with. So I was reading earlier um, on Macworld. Yeah, I was reading earlier on Macworld that uh, Apple have sent out invitations confirming that the next iPhone announcement event will take place on September 10th. So that is nine days away from today. Uh, so that's what, a week on Tuesday? So the new iPhone is going to come and we're going to see, uh, going to get to see, you know, what's, what's going to be, um, new about it. And, you know, any other Apple Mac, um, you know, updates and technology that's coming out, but supposedly the biggest, um, improvement for the new phone is going to be the camera. That's what I've been reading about online, which is cool. I, I guess, uh, I, I, like me personally, I don't know. Like, I feel that's kind of niche. I feel like in general, don't people who are like photographers, get real cameras like dslrs they're cool i don't know um i feel like if you want to be a photographer like you go and buy a real camera and then you do that i feel like people with their iphones just kind of take drunken parties party pictures or you know pictures with their family and scenery and and whatnot but like i don't need a fucking 25 times zoom on my camera like i'm not bird watching um i guess i guess some people are i mean it's cool apple i mean it should be it should be interesting, but that that doesn't like get me excited for the new iPhone. That doesn't get me like oh shit, like I need that. Like cameras, like all right, cool. What might get me feeling like that is uh, one of the other things, like rumors I've been reading about, is apparently the new phone might have phone to phone charging. Um, I think Samsung have had this for a while. I don't know if you've seen it, but basically you can like take you'd be able to like take your iPhone and then uh, your friend's iPhone, who I guess also had the new one, um, and be able to give them some of your battery. Like have you ever been in that situation when you're like in the car or whatever, or I don't know, on train and well, I don't know, I guess I don't know why I picked those two modes of transportation. Like I guess you could be anywhere. Um, you know, you're just out living life uh with your iPhone and you're like, shit, I'm on four percent. Um, mate, can I can I borrow some of your your charge? Or someone's like, Oh, I wish I could give you some of my battery. I'm on like seventy seven percent. Like, wouldn't it be great if I could just dump twenty to you or something like that? Well, supposedly it's gonna be uh it's gonna be possible with the new iPhone. And that would be really cool. Um, I'd like to see that on the iPhone. Uh, I'd also like to see dual SIM cards because I know um, there are phones that do that and Apple don't do that, or at least not that I'm aware of. Um, I have not the most recent ones, so I don't know if they did it on the last one, but um, yeah, that would be really cool too. I can't really think of much else that would be cool. I mean, Apple already crushing it like with their phones. Everybody, 
everybody I know has an iPhone, um, you know, who has a smartphone. I don't know very few people with, uh, with other ones. Um, but yeah, I mean, that should be, um, that should be fun. All right. A couple more things I want to, I want to truck through. Um, so <laughs> I'll, I'll sort of like intro this before I say the topic name. Um, one of my favorite things to do ever, um, is <laughs> basically watch TV in the background while I'm completely ignoring it and doing something else like that is like hands down one of my favorite things to do like ever like if i'm looking if i'm reading something online or if i'm looking at like whatever it might be if i'm reading a book or if i'm uh i don't know texting someone or like just browsing social media or if i'm making lunch if i'm cooking that's my big one if i'm cooking i love that or if i'm like doing laundry or like whatever i'm doing i love having tv on in the background that i'm not paying attention to i don't know why i think it's like a, a comfort like at sometimes it's just like it's almost just like having people you know in the room uh if you're like on your own that's really nice or just like in general just like have something like fun on in the background so the topic is greatest tv shows to watch whilst you're doing something else like i think that's kind of a, a funny thing to talk about and as i was as i was writing this down um i realized a couple different things so one i definitely think this is a generational thing um people my age really really like to do this um because i know like my siblings like it and like my my other half and like a lot of my friends do this but my parents like fucking hate this. Like it's their least favorite thing is like when I'm, they call it double screening. Absolutely, for some reason, just grinds their gears so hard. And they're just not about it. Like they're like, if we're watching something, we're watching it and everyone is paying 110% attention. You are locked in, laser focused. Nothing else can be going on. Whereas like most people I know, like barely pay attention to anything because our attention spans are so poor. Um, which isn't good, but it's the truth, <laughs> seemingly. Um, and then I also realized that I think for this category, just like in general, like I think it has to be an old show, like by definition, because if you're not paying attention to it, then it's because you've already seen it or you know what's going on or you know the characters quite well. Like you, like I wouldn't sit down and put on like a new episode of something that I either watch religiously or which is very few TV shows now that I'm thinking about it or like something like new that I want to watch and then like also be like fucking around on my computer or cooking or like doing whatever, right? So almost by definition, it's an old show that you've kind of seen a million times. And then <laughs> the last thing that I realized is that like all of this is probably a dumb thing to talk about anyway because it's completely dependent on who you are and like what you've actually seen a million times. So basically, <laughs> this is just my top five uh, and I hope you agree. And uh, if you do or if you have any other suggestions, again, uh, hit me up on Twitter at the Atlantic one um and yeah there'd be a fun uh, a fun thing to talk about um but yeah all right here we go so um my top five are uh i'll go yeah i'll go one to five uh i've done that every time this this uh, this part usually i'll try to go five to one but anyways top my top show to have on in the background is friends i have watched friends too many times i i initially watched season one episode one to season 10 episode 24 one to the end with all of my siblings like religiously like when we were at school like me and my brother were at boarding school in england my sisters were living in hong kong we did not watch it without each other we'd wait we had the dvds like this was back in like 2010 11 time ish this was before streaming so we my parents owned all the dvds and we sat and we watched it together religiously and then when it hit netflix in i don't know whenever i got netflix 2014 or 15 or something like that it has just absolutely been my number one go-to show. I hope, hopefully at some point I'll do a podcast about friends because I'd love to. And hopefully um, I have a friend who might, who might do it with me as well because that's always, that's always more fun. <laughs> but yeah, I love friends. Um, always good to have one in the background, especially when you've seen it a zillion times. And then, um, yeah, second show, The Office, US version. And I say US version because we have a British version and the British version is actually the original version. And I challenge you to go and watch the original version and try and tell me that it's not better because the British version of The Office is the inception of the show. And if you think The Office is funny, you have to go and watch the people who created it do it, if that makes any sense. Um, but The Office US is probably more fun to have on in the background because it's, it's it requires less attention. Like I think the UK one is so specific and the timing of it is so specific that you actually really have to kind of be paying attention to to really like truly understand the like depth of the humor. Um, 
but the US one, there's also so many more of them. So it's easier to just kind of throw on in the background if you've seen them all. I haven't actually finished it. I stopped, uh, spoiler, spoiler alert coming. Uh, I stopped watching it after Michael left the show because I just, I was like, whatever, fuck this. Um, didn't seem worth it. Um, so I haven't seen the last season or two, how many they did without him. Um, but I know Will Ferrell joins the show and I love Will Ferrell, so I probably should watch it. But yeah, Office is probably number two one to throw on in the background. Uh, yeah, when I'm, when I'm doing other shit. Number three, How I Met Your Mother. Um, I also love How I Met Your Mother. I've watched all of those um, a zillion times, um, mostly with my family and, and then again on Netflix, similar to the Oats of Friends. But I've found uh, How I Met Your Mother to actually be kind of a tough watch uh, lately, like last year and a half or so, um, as I went like deeper. So I think How I Met Your Mother ended in 2013 or 14, and then I didn't watch it for a while, and then it hit streaming, and so pretty like, 16 ish i started re-watching it and i realized there's like moments in that show where it's like oh you shouldn't say that or do that and like i don't know i just think parts of the show and parts and premises of the show have like aged kind of poorly um and i guess that's good because it shows progress uh, of like human society and like hopefully moving in the right direction i don't want to speak for everybody but like for me at least like you know i think it's it's always good for growth when you can look back on something and be like oh like that's actually not right like this and the other you know and i think that's just a part of like um of comedy and also just a part of like life um side note if you watch aziz Ansari's um netflix uh special his recent one um he talks about this uh, a little bit about how you know generally speaking content is aging really badly nowadays um because society is growing and, and becoming more progressive and, and and sort of realizing our faults which is which is good but also you know makes makes certain things tough to watch but at its core i know the characters so well and i love i love the show for what it was at the time i thought it was funny um and it's always a good watch there's some fun storylines in there and and i love marshall to bits he's a funny character and then four uh speaking of aziz and zari parks and rec um again is just so funny um probably a close you know, three, four tie there with How I Met Your Mother and Parks and Rec. I absolutely love Parks and Rec. Um, I blew, I didn't know about Parks and Rec until 2016. I'd never heard of it. And then one day when I was at school, um, like uni, I discovered it on Netflix and I was like, yeah, I've heard people talking about this. It looks kind of fun. Like, I wonder what it is. And I watched the first three episodes and was absolutely hooked and quite literally blew through the entire thing in three weeks. Like whilst I was still like at school and doing stuff like on a regular basis. And other than that, like when I wasn't like reading or like for homework and stuff and doing my homework or like, I don't know, hanging out with friends or whatever, I was watching Parks and Rec and I absolutely obliterated it. Three weeks, easy, done. Seven, eight seasons. I don't know how many there were, done. Amazing show. So funny, so well-written. Now I'm talking myself into it. I might even put that third over How Many Mother. It's close. I'll call it a tie between those two. And then, um, and, and truthfully, that's like really like my top four. I don't really watch anything outside of that. Um, but I wanted to throw in a rogue fifth choice because I just started watching this show and I literally wrote the outline for this entire podcast with this show on in the background. And it was like a new episode that I haven't seen before because I'm literally watching it from the beginning. Show being Dawson's Creek. So this was one of my sister's like absolute favorite shows growing up like years ago. She loved it. She was obsessed with it. And, you know, of course, being like a dumb, like older brother, boy, I was like, oh, what's that? Da, 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 whatever. Anyways, I have grown. I'm watching this show now and I'm into it. It's good. Season one and two were really fun. I'm into season three now, but I just thought it was like an interesting, it was an interesting thing because like, I don't know how much I really do like it because as I said, I literally went and did this whole out outline with the show on in the background. So maybe I'm not as invested as I, uh, as I should be. But I don't know. Sometimes with shows like these, you know, um, like... The OC was one as well, where it gets to a point where the the show writers kind of just recycle storylines with just different characters, if that makes any sense, like romance arcs or whatever else is going on just with different characters, kind of becomes kind of predictable. So I don't know, but it's still fun. And uh, I'd recommend watching Dawson's Creek if you uh, are like me and haven't watched it in 2019. I'm getting through it. Um, funny thing about that show that I noticed is I'm in the third season and the show is supposed to be set in like a small like seaside town in Mass like near Boston um, and I haven't seen snow once and it's supposed to have been like two or three years so come on 
Come on, guys. Do, do a bit better. Just a little bit better. Just a sprinkle. Just a dust. Snow. Just a little bit. We get snow up in uh, up in the northeast. Come on. All right. Uh, last couple of things I'm going to talk about, and then I'm going to get I'm going to get going and uh, and uh, head into uh, head into the week. Um, so fashion, autumn fall fashion, is right around the corner, and I'm, I'm pumped. I think it's going to be fun. My favorite my favorite like weather for for like fashion is light jacket weather like layers like ooh like I love like I love a good layer you know like a hoodie and like a and like a denim coat under or something like that or like like boots turtlenecks jeans sweatshirts tims can't wait cannot wait think about the possibilities we're coming out of summer where I have been wearing my fucking sweat shorts like sweatpants but shorts with zips on them for fucking 3 months I'm hot all the time. I'm not a hot weather person, so I'm very, very excited for it to get just a little bit colder, just a pinch colder, uh, and um, you know, be able to fucking throw some some shit together. I'm excited about that. And then another big thing is Fashion Week's coming up, or Fashion Weeks. You know, like London Fashion Week, Paris Fashion Week, blah blah blah. blah. I'm not really into fashion like that much. Like I pretend to be into fashion, but I do know that Fashion Weeks are coming up. Um, and the one thing that I really want to see that I think we all really want to see coming out of fashion week is for Gigi Hadid and Tyler C to walk together in a show like that would generate more press probably than Kylie, Kim, Kanye, Travis, whoever else being front row at any show, right? Like imagine how bonkers the world would go not the world <laughs> the uh the bachelor universe would go if they walked together in a show come on tell me you don't want that content try and tell me you don't want that content that would be so fun i would love that like fucking tommy hilfiger don't they aren't G- isn't Gigi like linked up with them doesn't don't they do a collab tell me tyler c is not the ideal kind of guy Tommy Hilfiger one walking in their show. I dare you. <laughs> that would be so fun. I want to see them walk together. I want to see, I just want to see like a lot of them, like at shows, walking in shows, walking to shows, walking out of shows, anything. That's what I'm really looking for. <laughs> Clearly you can tell I'm so into fashion. But anyway, I know a little bit here and there. I mostly, I mostly follow like um, streetwear stuff and, and whatnot. But anyways, all right, final thing, final thing. And shout out to you if you made it this far. I appreciate you uh, you listening to, to this podcast. Um, it's fun. It's really fun if you made it this far. So please do hit me up on Twitter um, and uh, tweet me if you enjoyed it. And uh, tweet me if you uh, thought anything I said was, was stupid or, or good or, or anything. Just any feedback, positive or negative. I'd love to hear it, anything. But all right, final topic, and then I'm out of here. Um, music. So those who know those who know me personally uh, know how much I love music. Um, I, I make music myself. I, I, you know, I listen to music and I consume a lot of music regularly. Um, so I just want to talk about some new music that I liked. That simple, easy as pie. And again, Twitter. If you if you like this stuff, tweet me. If you didn't like it, tweet me. If there's some stuff I did mention, tweet me. Just jump on Twitter. You have a Twitter. If you don't have a Twitter, make a Twitter. It's that easy. Twitter's free. Did you know? Twitter's free. But anyways. All right, music. So first thing that I really liked uh, this new-ish uh, was the new Brockhampton album, um, Ginger. Um, I thought it was sweet. I thought it was really fun. Uh, it is different from uh, Iridescence that came out last year. And I really liked Iridescence. Like I really connected with that album. I thought that album was really, really good. Um, but I feel like they kind of lost their way a little over the year like somehow I, I i just felt that way i don't really have a good way of explaining it or backing it up i think a little bit was uh, kevin abstract put out his own thing and we didn't really hear a lot else from the, the rest of the group and i think they moved out of the house they were living in and like a bunch of stuff happened where it kind of felt like they they'd become a little fragmented um but they came together on this album really well and i think if you're a brockhampton fan like i think you already like this album um a lot of the elements that sound similar to the um saturation um trilogy like it brings a little bit of that back um i think my favorite songs are if you pray right uh i've been born again and oh, i'm looking at it now what else oh yeah heaven belongs to you i think those are 
those are those are sweet i like those a lot so yeah go check that out if you haven't uh next up big sean big the don um i've been a big sean fan forever like i really like big sean um he's easily like i consider him in that like like i say this about music like i know it's not sports but i would consider him in like that draft class it's just like a good like analogy of using it as like drake meek mill kendrick um rocky um mac miller like that that group of guys who were sort of coming up in 2009 10 11 but really for me it's like the first four picks in that draft class were like kendrick drake uh big sean j cole how did i forget j cole i fucking love j cole too um drake kendrick big sean and cole yeah i think of that like rocky fifth like of that like class that draft class like those those are the guys who if you were listening to them in like 808 like 09 like they were like oh these guys are like the next up like these guys are up and now and now they've like you know had a decade-long career and released like a ton of amazing music and been on some like crazy tours but for me big sean is the guy out of that class who's like i would say is like most improved like he was maybe drafted a little too high you know what i mean like he maybe he maybe went like fourth in that in that draft class but like maybe was like a 10th round like a 10th 10th you know what i mean you know what i'm saying like a like a like a 10th pick um but over the decade and like quite quickly over the decade like proved he belonged and proved he belonged and deserved to be a top four pick does that make any sense i know i'm using like a weird sports analogy but like his first album in my opinion was probably his like worst album like i know a lot of people say his second album was his worst album but i actually quite liked that album um, that was the album that had like Be Aware on it and like all that stuff, right? It was the fucking weird purple and blue cover and um, had the song with Wayne on it, uh, had the song with Miley Cyrus on it. This was like way back in 2013. Um, and his, his first album, My Lost, no, that was a single. Um, I forget what the album was called. Um, I should put it up on my laptop. But anyways, since his second album he has basically in my opinion just gotten like better and better and better and better um to the point now where he's in my opinion like the most improved um out of that draft class that's what i would say um yeah what the fuck was hall of fame that's what it was called and then he had um his album dark dark sky paradise in 2015 which was amazing like fucking fire blessings featuring drake uh all you want featuring kanye west i don't fuck with you with e40 plano games chris breezy ty dollar uh i know janae aoka deep lil wayne like one man can change the world kanye and john legend and then he had the track with Ariana grande too um which i actually remember not really liking but anyways like some beast features on there really good album um and i've sort of gone on a bit of a big big one tangent um he then came out in 2017 with i decided another like pretty solid album like pretty good um sacrifices with migos is really good like obviously bounce back was the big single no favors with eminem moves is good too like all in all like pretty good pretty solid album and in the middle of somewhere he had his uh collab album with um janae echo which was called 2088 which was pretty good um but anyways his new his new single that he just dropped like a couple days ago a couple weeks ago actually sorry was is that i'm really into is called single again so big sean and janae actually broke up um which i'm sure you know about um if you like follow them in any way shape or form and janae put out a song called triggered um which everyone was kind of confused by because no one really knew they broke up or at least maybe that was just me i didn't know they'd broken up and um, talking about like how she's triggered by this like ex-boyfriend of hers and blah 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 and then so Big Sean's just put out this song called single ah, song called single again uh, which Janae actually provides some vocals on um, but like either which way it seems like there's no bad blood between them and um, the song single again is really good like really really good highly highly recommend listening to that checking that out he also dropped a track called overtime which was fire it had a crazy like beat switch in the middle um like ultimately just seems like it's sean season soon um he hasn't had an album since 2017 so it's been a couple years and um i'm really excited for him to to drop an album it feels like he's going to drop one um this autumn this fall so you know i uh i think that's going to be fun and then also young thug dropped so much fun um which was a really fun album uh went number one in the u.s definitely deserved uh i think from what was out that week Um, my favorite track is lil baby track eight it's not the one with lil baby it's the one after that called lil baby 
um, which is fun. The track with Uzi is also really good. Just in general, like super fun, exactly what you would want from a Young Thug album. I would definitely, um, like amazing title for what it is. Super, super accurate. Um, and then a couple other things. So there's a song called Through the Night by Jack Harlow uh, featuring Bryson Tiller. I don't know when this song came out because I only found it recently because I just like saw it on Twitter, like someone had retweeted it or something. Um, I, I'd like heard of Jack Harlow before, but never like really listened to him because um, like just hadn't heard anything. And then, but I decided to check this out and I'm super pleased I did because I really liked the song. It was like a really, like really nice beat, like super fun um uh, what's, what's I'm looking for? A super fun um, sample. That's what I'm looking for. Super fun sample on on the beat, and um, he's like really fun to listen to. Bryson kills it. Like we need some new Bryson. Hopefully that's coming soon. Uh, I really liked Bryson Tiller's last album. I know a lot of people didn't. Um, at least that's what I read online. Um, but I really liked it. I thought it was as good as his first one. Um, but I know a lot of people think he sort of flopped on his second one. So we don't know. But anyways, yeah, through the night, Jack Harlow featuring Bryson Tiller. Definitely check that out. Um, and then last one, there's a song by Kyle called F you, I love you, um, featuring Tiana Taylor, which is really, really good. I really like that song. Um, it's reminiscent of, um, Kyle in that sort of like 20, you know, 16, 17 era when he had that song with Lil Yachty, um, like fun melodic i really like kyle um it's pretty my favorite thing that he's put out in a while and i also really like tiana taylor i wish she would put out more music um i liked her album that she dropped last year it was really good i felt like i felt like kanye probably didn't focus so much on her album as he did with everybody else seeing seeing as hers came out late and lost and it just somehow didn't feel like it had as much love and attention as, as the other ones that he did in his series last summer um but anyways nonetheless um f you i love you um really really good track um i like that one a lot check out those songs um and those albums definitely worthwhile and then uh yeah next friday the 6th of september so five days really um new post malone gonna be super fun um yeah hollywood's bleeding should be fucking fire um confirmed features are the baby future halsey meek mill little baby ozzy osbourne travis scott scissor sway lee and thugger um I'm really excited about this. Not necessarily for the features, actually, to be honest. I'd honestly probably either like rather listen to just a post just a post Malone album with no features, like fucking take it J. Cole style for a while. Um But nonetheless, I think like the features will be good. Uh, he always crushes it. Like it's it's stunning, truly, to to think about like how successful and how popular Post Malone is. Um following like his debut of white iverson which is a good song but like didn't necessarily at the time feel like it had legs um you know to grow into sort of who he became um and both of his albums his first two albums are phenomenal really really good and it was funny to see how his first album didn't really pop like it should have when it came out until uh, i fall apart like randomly gamed steam um after a few of his singles that came out on his second album before the second album dropped and then his second album obviously was i think the one that took him from like you know hot artist into superstar or star maybe i don't know if he's quite superstar um i like i'd say like drake's a superstar like i don't think postmodern's a superstar yet but he's like very close um but he's like he's had it all necessary like think about like i don't know what you would quantify and put into a thing that would you know how do you define a superstar? I don't know what you put in that, but if you're talking about like number one albums, like like incredibly hot singles, number one singles, being on, you know, movie, uh, theatrical, like movie theater uh, releases, uh, like songs, like for movies, basically. Like he's done it all and he's fucking smashed it all. Like I really don't know what else or like what more he could do before he really, I feel like he could, he could be he could become the guy does that make any sense but i also feel like maybe he won't because he's so niche and like he really is just like in a lane of his own i know that sounds fucking lame to say that but like nobody else really makes music like him um which is part of his charm and part of his appeal but i think he's just like one of the most talented people um who's making music today and i'm really excited for his new album and hopefully um i'll get to talk about it next week if i get uh get time to do a podcast next week but yeah that's it for today again thank you if you listened appreciate it hit me up on twitter um at the mid-atlantic one um let me know if you listened to it let me know if you liked it uh, if you did like it share it with a friend um that would be really really cool uh leave a review give me a like 
um, you know, rate it five stars on Apple and, and if there's a you know, rating system on Spotify too, go ahead and do that. But yeah, most importantly, please just share it if you liked it and subscribe. Um, please subscribe. All right, cheers. Thank you.